Welcome to Oil and Gas Conversations. I'm your host, Adriel Kunle Hassan. Our last episode on oil price was in March, when the price war and the first wave of the coronavirus led to a significant drop in oil prices. Nine months later, the oil industry is still experiencing low oil demand and reduced oil prices. In this episode, we talk about what has been going on with oil prices during the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome back to the podcast, Ibuku. I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know who you are, but please can you introduce yourself for the people who don't? Hello, everyone. Uh, great to be here again. My name is Ibuku Okweudu, and I've spent the past nine years in the oil and gas industry working in investor relations and corporate development. It's been about nine months since you were on the podcast, and we were talking about the price was between Russia and Saudi Arabia, and basically the declaration of coronavirus as a global pandemic, which led to oil prices dropping by 30% in one day, and basically everyone panicking. So can you take us through what has happened since then? Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody could have foreseen the turn of events that have happened um, on a global scale over the past nine months. I think our world has certainly changed significantly. For starters, uh, when we recorded this episode in March, we were physically in the same room, but today we are recording virtually. So I yeah. think that, in a nutshell, is effectively what has happened in our world uh, mm-hmm. during that period. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure we had a single official COVID case in Nigeria when we recorded that episode. But here we are, um, 67,000 local cases later, over 61 million globally. The events have been unprecedented. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't see it coming. That's the truth. We had no idea. Or rather, we could see it coming, but we had no idea to what magnitude it was going to hit us. Yeah. I think it's got to the point where we all personally know someone who's been hit by the virus today. But from an all-price perspective... If I recall correctly, the OPEC Plus meeting had just happened uh, when we recorded that episode, and they had just failed to agree on production cuts. And we all know what subsequently happened. Saudi Arabia pledged to ramp up production. They also pledged to sell at a discount, about 8 to $10 per barrel discount. And the combined effect of that decision, as well as the pandemic, had a major impact on the oil industry. We saw global oil demand drop by as much as 30%. But on the other hand, supply did not reduce due to the OPEC plus dispute. There was effectively about 30 million barrels of oil per day just floating around somewhere on the Pacific and Atlantic oceans with nowhere to go. I mean, we even heard stories of some producers paying off takers to take their oil off them because they basically had nowhere to store the oil. So we saw Brent's price drop below $20. I think at a point it was even below $10. Uh, But thankfully, OPEC Plus came to their senses in April. They agreed on a production cut of 10 million barrels per day from May. And that was effectively about 10% of um, global oil supply. But clearly, that wasn't enough to solve the problem. We had over 30 million barrels per day supply glut. And uh, the cut was only 10 million barrels per day. So it didn't solve the problem per se, but it did certainly help to stem the tide to a certain degree. Over the past two to three months, we've seen oil price hover between $40 and $45 per barrel. And in recent weeks in particular, we've had a bit of respite with the announcement of three vaccines. And today we have an oil price of 
47 to 48 dollars per barrel yeah i i think it was crazy that we had that episode in march because oil price had moved down to about 35 dollar per barrel and i thought oh we need to know what's going on you mentioned i went all the way to nine dollars Mm-hmm. Cities were in lockdown, less air travel, less cars on the road. And then as the lockdown got eased, we started seeing the numbers crawl up. And like you mentioned, we've been somewhat stable. I think most people feared that the second wave of lockdowns would lead to another you know, significant drop in oil price. But that didn't happen. And I think it's because maybe countries were more prepared. So air travel did not stop this time. So there was a little bit of movement. I think it's just been a crazy ride. Definitely. Let's talk about how the reduced prices impacted the industry this time. Well, the impact on the industry was was immense. I recall saying in March that I didn't expect the impact to be so immediate, but clearly we did not foresee how quickly and how hard the pandemic was going to hit us. I mean, this year alone, oil and gas companies have reported over $65 billion in write downs. So effectively, they've had to reevaluate their oil and gas assets and they've come to the conclusion that those assets are now worth just a fraction of what they were worth last year due to the low oil price. So they've basically had to take a haircut on the valuation of those assets, which has been it's been a major hit on them. Uh, we've had bankruptcies as well in the U.S. alone. I think we've had over 40 bankruptcies for oil and gas companies this year. We typically we've had major job losses, uh, 100 over 100,000 globally. But equally as worrying, oil and gas companies are making less money than they were. There's been a steady decline in oil and gas returns over the past decade, not even just this year, like over the past decade, there's been a gradual decline in returns being made by oil and gas companies. I saw somewhere that the reported return on capital employed by oil majors in 2007 was as high as 30%, but as of 2019, it was down to 5%. And that's 2019. You can imagine how much lower it is this year, 2020. It's probably in, it's probably in negative territory, so it's it's not it's clearly not a one off. It's been a gradual decline in oil and gas returns, and twenty twenty is going to be even worse than that. When looking at the impact in the industry and the blows that the industry has been getting, you know, back to back for like the past five years or more, you know, I think that this time this impact will be long-lasting. So we're hearing about top companies, IOCs, restructuring, trying to get leaner teams. Everybody still expects more job cuts, just trying to make sure they're as lean and as cost-effective as possible, just in case another blow comes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like we said earlier, all, all companies just need to be proactive in their management of this crisis, continue what you were doing before, continue hedging. It's at this point, hedging is pretty much a necessary evil. It's almost like insurance. It's expensive, but can potentially save you a lot of money in the long term. So it's something you just have to do. Keep your costs low. Um, I think one thing this year has definitely taught us is that there are a lot of costs that can be avoided. Number one on that list is business travel. Um, Everyone has learned that you can conduct your business through virtual meetings and all that. Most companies have adopted a work-from-home policy. 
we've seen that staff are equally as productive working from home as long as they have the right tools. Most companies are being forced to be innovative because you basically have no choice. In order to survive, you always have to remain innovative. But most importantly, I think the takeaway from all this is diversification. We all know by now that all demand is estimated to peak by 2040, but at this rate, I'll say it's even sooner than that. And the trend does not lie. Like I said, return on capital of employed was about 30% in 2007 compared to 5% in 2019. It's a huge difference. So everyone needs to identify that trend and start working towards diversification. At this point, I think every oil company should have an active diversification strategy, be it renewables, be it gas, be it solid minerals, whatever it is. I was reading somewhere that the UK is planning to ban sales of petrol and diesel cars by 2030 which is 10 years, less than 10 years away from today. So we all, we all really need to be proactive at diversification. That's exactly what's been happening. Other industries have been thriving. For example, you know, renewables companies during this pandemic, and we're seeing investments moving there. You know, most companies right now are actually looking to be 360 energy companies. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see come out of this era. Definitely. I think the, the argument against renewables in the past had always been that it was less profitable than oil and gas. But clearly that's that's changing gradually because the returns on oil and gas projects are, are reducing every year. So I think that that argument is probably outdated or is getting outdated at this point. So you mentioned the OPEC production cuts that were announced in April and took into effect in May, and they were the deepest cuts, but you mentioned that they were not enough. But I think it was a significant move because, you know, after the price war and countries not being able to agree on the way forward, especially as prices were so low and countries were losing their market share. How significant do you think the cut was? Yeah. Especially after all of that? Well, it was significant. In fact, it was very significant. After the initial dispute, the OPEC Plus finally agreed on production cuts of just under 10 million barrels a day. And the truth is, well, as I said, we had a supply glut of about 30 million barrels per day. So 10 million barrels was not going to cure that that supply glut. But certainly it played a role in halting that price crash. And what we've seen, at least since then, is that OPEC Plus have been proactive, thankfully, after that dispute. They phased the production cuts. So it was initially 10 million barrels in May. Then it was reduced to just under 8 million barrels in July. And the plan is to reduce it further to, I believe, 6 million barrels from next year. In fact, there's an OPEC Plus meeting supposed to happen today in which they're supposed to deliberate on, on that. But I think um, the feedback we've been getting on that is they're possibly planning to extend the current production cut by further three months rather than reduce it. So we might see production cuts remain at uh, 7.7 million barrels per day till March, if they agree on that. If not, we'll see a, a reduction of about 2 million barrels per day in those production cuts. OPEC Plus action has certainly helped the market. They've been proactive. And it's probably something they should have done earlier rather than that dispute that we had, which hit the market in a hard way. What I liked about this particular period with the OPEC Plus cuts was the fact that they are strict at this time around, right? Yeah. Some countries would not comply and it would just be, okay, you know, we'll talk about it in the next meeting. But now being required to offset 
their overproduction in future productions. And that's something that I think has been really great because you can't have some countries taking the hit while others are basically doing whatever they want with yeah. no consequences. Um, I think another significant thing was the fact that Saudi Arabia decided to halt its extra voluntary all cuts. That was very significant because it's it basically showed that everybody had to play their part. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, Nigeria was one of the major culprits of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we're not sticking to our production cuts. I think we're overproducing by about 300,000 barrels a day. But we're not alone. Uh, Iraq as well. There was Russia. There was Kazakhstan. But yeah, you're right. OPEC Plus has been quite uh, proactive at implementing those um, production costs and just ensuring everyone abides by what they agreed to. Okay, lastly, and I know I always put you on the spot. Do you think we are going to end the year with $40 per barrel oil? And what do you think 2021 is going to look like? People are saying a slight recovery, but obviously with the uncertainty of the coronavirus. But on the other hand, we have the talks about the vaccines. We're not sure how available and widespread that is going to be. Um, yeah. But what do you think? Well, um, at this point, we're actually closer to $50 per barrel, which is great. As I said, we've had good news over the past one or two weeks with three vaccines announced. In fact, the UK became the first Western country to approve a vaccine for public use, which was yesterday, I believe. China also recently announced that it's, um, it's ready to distribute vaccines across the world to countries that may be interested. Yeah, so that's good news. So at, at this point, I think it's clear that by mid, I'd say mid-2021, most um, Western countries would have inoculated a large percentage of their population. As for the developing world, I can't say at this point, um, we keep our fingers crossed on that. But the fact is, our world in 2021 will be in a much better place than it is right now. So this can only be positive for the oil, for the oil industry. But on the other hand, we need to accept the fact that our world post-COVID has evolved significantly and may never be the same or may never return to its previous state. I was reading something on Bloomberg which said about a third of the world's flight routes have been cancelled and may never return. We all know the airline industry has been hit significantly with job losses, bankruptcies, etc. Because obviously people were not traveling. People are still not traveling to a large extent. So even in years to come, your holiday plans will likely include a lot more airport stopovers and longer journey times simply because there are less flight routes. There are less planes in the air as a follow-up to the, to the pandemic. Analysts also do not expect all demand to recover to pre-pandemic levels till at least 2022, which means oh. even next year, things will be better, but it's not, it's not going to return to what it was before. So definitely 2021 will be a much better year than 2020, but talks of all price returning to pre-pandemic levels, I think are far-fetched. So I'll probably say, if I was to give an estimate, um, all things being equal, if nothing changes, based on where we are today, if vaccines become available next year, I'd expect oil prices to remain between $45 to possibly about $55 per barrel. The concept of this new normal after the pandemic, I think what you mentioned about the fact that oil demand was estimated to peak at 2040, but now it's going to be much lower. I definitely agree with that. And obviously that's going to affect oil prices because 
what the pandemic has shown people is that, you know, maybe we don't need to travel as much as we do. Yep. The idea of cars on the road, most people have seen that working remotely is possible. And I think more jobs are going to do that. So we're going to have less cars on the road. So when I think about recovery, I don't see recovery as to where we started. You know, we started this year at $70. And if you think about when we started this low price era, we've been fluctuating, but I don't think we've seen anything above 80. What keeps happening is that there's always going to be a new high point. So we started this year at $70. Who knows when next we're going to have $70 oil? What may happen is that 65 may end up being the new high or something like that. And I think as demand keeps reducing, that's what we're going to keep seeing. Yeah, correct. I, I agree with you completely. Our world just keeps um, changing and we just need to keep changing with it. Ensure we don't remain stagnant. We always pick up the trends uh, as early as possible. I think something we all should have learned is we need to be a lot more proactive. It's been quite interesting um, watching how different world leaders have reacted in, in a different way to this pandemic. You compare the US to a country like New Zealand, they were miles apart in their response to the pandemic and it made a huge difference to their countries as a whole the opec plus like i said could have been more proactive as well at an earlier point but obviously i can say this with the benefit of hindsight nobody really understood what was going to happen it's almost like you're watching a tsunami approach and you have absolutely no idea what to do possibly because you've never seen a tsunami in your entire life so it really just hit us we saw it coming we could actually see it coming but we had no idea to what magnitude it was going to hit. And we also had no idea how to react because we had never experienced it before. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Oil & Gas Conversations. Let us know your thoughts and the topics you would like us to talk about. As always, don't forget to share and subscribe.